0: Welcome to The Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics,
1: economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, hey, how are you?
0: Hey, Scott, I'm. Uh, well, you know, I'm on my uh, on my typical base camp high. I love that we can just sort of, you know, manufacture um, a drug called good conversation for ourselves, um, and all kind of take it collectively for for an hour. I was it was really really good.
1: Yeah, I really had a great experience. And it was funny because you and I were in the same group, which I don't. So for <laughs> yeah, I can't
0: get away from you.
1: <laughs> I know. By the way, for people that, for our listeners that haven't been to Basecamp or don't know what it is, it's a it's a group that is really centered around deep questions and conversation. And we convene monthly and tackle a big question. And this month's question was, what has 2020 revealed to you? You know, what, what, so we, we talked about just the nature of this strange year and what you've learned and what what's revealed. And and I loved our group's conversation. Uh, it was it was really exhilarating, and you did a great job moderating the the broader group. So so what we do, just to summarize real quickly, is we come in and there's a few minutes of framing the conversation, and then. We just go right into kind of small groups for, you know, 35, 40 minutes, depending on the the given month. And then we kind of go back and use different kind of technology to do word maps and things like that and talk about what we learned. And it was just great. Yeah, I think, well,
0: you know, I really, I really liked the question that we gathered around. I mean, it felt like absolutely. I mean, if you're not getting together um, at the end of this year and asking, so, you know, what does this year mean for us? Um, I feel like you're making a mistake. Uh, I really feel like we all have to do that work because, you know, kind of, and as I, you know, one of the first things I did is is sort of try to frame our question and motivate it and explain like, you know, so why should we take an hour out of our lives and talk about this? And I, and I really do feel that if we don't, if we don't go into 2021 um, having done a bit of the work of thinking for ourselves of what meaning am I going to make out of this year? Like what, what does it actually mean? The stuff that has happened? Then I think we're we're kind of maybe it's too strong to say at the mercy of, but you know I think we're vulnerable to uh, the whole industry of people who are going to be making sense of twenty twenty uh, for us in twenty twenty one, and you know I th- I think human nature being what it is will determine that what twenty twenty teaches us is that they are right. <laughs> <laughs> and that the agenda that they want to pursue is the ones that we have to pursue because of what happened in 2020. And I think we need to, you know, have have our own sense of a center um about you know which of those messages we're going to support and which of them we're going to push back on. Um, because no, it, it, it didn't mean that. Or yeah, you're right, it did mean that. So so we're about to step into, I think, um, a fierce competition for framing the year that we're finishing. Uh, And that's why I felt it was really important for all of us to give ourselves that that chance with other people to frame it for ourselves.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because even part of the thing we talked about in our group was how controlling language is, right? And even this idea that I think you're right. There's a fierce competition. That's even interesting, right? It frames things so adversarially, which I think is true. I mean, I think there is a kind of adversarial nature around telling stories, like who's going to, because, you know, if you tell the story, there's kind of control in this life, but you know, something you said in, in our time that I was really, I thought was right on target was this tension between, organizational life in organic reality and how we're, we're often trying to sort of uh, impose um, organizational structures on organic reality, right? And, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes that's helpful if in a garden, right? Sometimes you, you put up an inorganic stricture on in a tomato plant or something to help it grow. Mm, good analogy, yeah. But that doesn't make it grow, right? The things that makes it grow are all organic. It's sunlight, it's water, it's dirt it's 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 living stuff right at best the organizational stuff the the mechanistic kind of stuff at best at best can kind of serve the organic
0: yeah and i think so to bounce off of that so i think there were a lot of i think a lot of people had the experience this year of kind of confronting that like these things that we did um uh you know the organization needs that. I don't need it. It's the organization that, that needs it, you know, like going into the office each day in order to be seen to be working. Um, I don't need that, but the organization does. So I have to do it. And, and that's the kind of stuff, you know, some of the stuff that got challenged this year, we say, well, okay, if we can't do that, then you're right you don't need to do it it's it's the organization that needed it but if we can say well that's impossible actually it can still get by it has to learn to you know how do we how do we kind of coordinate in a, in a different way but i think a lot of people going into 2021 and, and you know in certain parts of the economy this has received wisdom that, like they're never going to go back to a 5 day a week uh, work week in the office because um, they'll have a revolt on their hands if you try to force people to to do it. Now that sort of it's been proven that the emperor has no clothes. We don't have to do this. Uh, y- you need to have us do this. Um, and so you know, I think that it's it opens this broader question of well, how much of our life is like that? Is is organized to serve? You know, not not the ultimate purpose that that we care about but just organized to serve the th- the things that we've set up and now have become um unquestioned so you know it, I think it'll be so on this point of why it's important to reflect upon it you know 2021 I think a lot of a lot of workplaces are going to try to reestablish the order um reestablish the organization that they had lost and uh, and some are going to challenge that and and hold back from doing so and what's going to make the difference between um between those that do slip back into the past and those that do kind of reorder into a different way i think the difference is going to be how how aware the people in that in that group are that the past didn't have to be that way.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I think that you brought up also that, that in our conversation today that I I was really struck by is the difference between, I mean, technology doesn't drive culture, right? That basically we could have been doing base camps monthly. We had all the technology to do it. Right. We could have been doing it yeah but that's what's amazing to me it's such a great thing right we were doing it once a year basically yeah and if you had the resources to get there and, the, and it was great I've only I've been to one the one in Toronto and there was a second one in London but that's what's interesting right like we why didn't we think to do monthly base camps and start a, a base camp Facebook group and have all and do all these things it, it 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 was something that we were kind of thrown into a situation heidegger talks mm-hmm. about that. Thrownness, right? Like this, you're kind of thrown into a situation. You're mm-hmm. finite. You're there. You're in this context. But the gift of that thrownness is we're thrown into this thing, and we're like, oh my gosh, we could gather monthly, and then in between gatherings, people could talk on Facebook, and and you could build little coalitions and collaborative circles within the group, and you make all these new friends, and and you know people. Call me, uh, you know, I I talk with a Canadian retired guy all the time, or I talk to this brilliant woman who's in healthcare um, in in Toronto, and, you know, she just calls me one afternoon to continue the kind of base camp experience, to sort of imagine, have real conversation. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, but it's a thing that we... How did that elude us, that we could do that? So... Like one,
0: so a couple of things there. One is uh, the value of conversation, which maybe is is um, easier to really feel um, this year, maybe more so than other years, where where your life is, you know, whatever work you do, it's, it's full of people and. And the distinction between the last thing you need it on the weekend is to talk to more people. You know, often you feel exhausted by life and you need to retreat and recover by yourself because you're always surrounded by people. Um, And,
1: and so that is spoken like a, that's spoken like a true introvert. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm an extrovert. (laughs) You can never have enough. Yeah. I could never have enough people.
0: Whereas for me, I, 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 crave it I mean, and and where's and and now that i can't have any i mean these have always been restorative events for me uh, each month um just preparing for and then experiencing uh conversation but i think so i think one reason one reason we didn't do it before is that you know we're all trapped in the way things are done um and until we were forced to do it it just didn't occur to us um and i honestly did feel like you know like basecamp 2020 ended up being a string of these uh, conversations and and getting better and better at how do we do that and how do we bring new people in and in the end i think it's better than what it otherwise would have been which would have been you know we were thinking back in the beginning of the year it was either going to be you know in new york to sort of consolidate the people who had been to the first two uh, and we had those plans in place, or it was going to be in Asia to kind of expand. And it would have been enormous work and enormously interesting. Um, and I think not nearly as profound a learning experience because we would have spent most of our energy, um, you know, if you will, creating the space and getting there. And we would have done much less of the real stuff, which is the conversation. Um, and it's in getting together, having conversations, iterating it, experiencing it that we we figured out how do you do that. Uh, so we learned a lot more because we had kind of more time to do the the core work, uh, even even if it was virtual.
1: Yeah, I, I. it's interesting because this question, what has 2020 revealed? I mean, to me, mm. one of the things it's revealed is someone that's in the United States right now, where we had, we reported, I think, yesterday, 286,000 COVID cases. That's just unfathomable. I mean, I remember talking to you during the summer and just kind of even online and offline and, and talking to you about 70,000 cases and not being able to believe that. And now, I mean, at 286,000 cases, I mean, it's revealed like how hard it is um, for people to, I I think, to react to something where nature throws us this massive curveball. And I mean, in the United States, we are not, I mean, it's not rocket science, right, how you could curb this. Like if we, I mean, they've curbed it in Australia, they've curbed it in New Zealand, they've done, I mean, there's a lot of countries that have had, that have a... Far fewer resources in the United States, and yet we are just being decimated by this thing. And I wonder how much of that is just um, our inability to um, to kind of adapt and tell ourselves a new story.
0: So you know, we've been talking about this um, for a while, and 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 I guess the the blunt question is. Um. You know what has twenty twenty revealed about human nature, and and, and I, I, I think in two directions. One, I think about how how um, how quickly we can become, um, uh, how quickly we can adapt and take as normal um, new death. Like, oh yeah, the number of cases, and and the number's really bad. And I go about my life. I mean, there's something almost mm, heartless about how 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 easily we've come to um just take for granted that you know 1.6 and counting million people have died this year, on top of all the other reasons people die. Um, but this was just this new thing, and. And so I I think it really does confront us with like how, um, I mean, if, and maybe that's just human nature, right? I didn't die. You're still here, Scott. So, you know, um, if somebody you love died from COVID, then it was much more real to you than if it's just a a number or a statistic. And, And I don't know if this experience has changed that
1: for anyone. I, I had a really arresting conversation the other day with a friend who's an evangelical Protestant minister. And did you guys walk into a bar together? We did not. We did, <laughs> not, we did not. Although I just gave a, talk, be a really uh, specific joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just did do a talk uh, with this group of uh, Democrats and in, in um, Alabama, virtually with a rabbi. And they did, they did, bill it as a rabbi and a minister walk into a bar. And that was there. But we just talked about the holidays and politics and election blues and stuff. But, but this guy was talking. So I asked him a few weeks ago what his church was doing in midst of COVID. And he said, and they're pretty conservative folks. I, I think basically the entirety of his congregation are Republicans. And he said, they're not, they're worshiping indoors, no social distancing, no masks. Well, a couple weeks later, he and his wife both get COVID. And I was talking to him about this experience, and then he calls me complaining about how the governor of Pennsylvania has shut down all indoor dining, all pubs, all that sort of stuff, and how 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 fascist it sounds. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. You got COVID, right? He knows someone in his congregation that's died of COVID. Mm. And he's still kind of looking at these restrictions as authoritarian and excessive, and it's just—I mean—that that's what's interesting because I think, and I'm not necessarily picking on him specifically because I think on any given thing, people can deceive themselves, right? People like all of us take risks, break rules—you know—we we all do these kind of. So I'm not—I'm not singling him out as as somehow um, particularly diluted. But it, it is interesting, though, because that's what I think a lot of social scientists and other analysts were saying, well, what's going to happen is the more people get affected by this, the more they'll change their view of it. But then you have these stories of people dying and they're on their deathbed saying COVID's a hoax and they're dying of COVID here in the States. And I'm just, I, I mean, that it boggles the mind.
0: So, you know, I guess that's another thing that, you know, 2020 has has revealed with a with a really stark case that um we you know, we are still probably too skewed to sort of think of uh think of humanity as rational as rational beings and yeah and i think that you know 2020 has revealed that that we really need to be aware of kind of the different levels and layers of how we how we make sense of our reality and and yeah sort of that mental rational layer is a is a part of it but only a part and you know how how you belong the group that you belong to um, you know the emotions that you respond to, um, your own sense of self in the world. All of these things are, um, are there, and they're real. And the only way to pretend them away is if everybody pretends them away. But if there's if there's someone or there's a group of people who who play a different game, suddenly you have to take as real, uh, the reality that, um, you know, rational experience and, you know, logical consistency isn't enough to get everybody to think the same way or to do the same thing. Um, yeah, and, and no more <laughs> stark experiment than, than what's happened in the United States this year. We're like, I mean, the, the, it couldn't be more plain, the kind of, you know, scientific reality of this virus and its consequences, um, so that's kind of that's the best that you know that that science and nature has got, <laughs> and that wasn't good enough to get everybody to say that yeah, this we agree this is this is true.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a, a, a therapist and author. His name's Paul Tripp, and he has this great line in one of his books. He says in his experience, most people in crisis don't need information. They need imagination. And I think that's so right because we, in the midst of this pandemic, we have, it's not as though we are information starved. I mean, there's things we don't know about this virus and it's it's still, there are things that are kind of confounding about it, but we know a lot of stuff, right? We know a lot of stuff, but the problem is most—it's it, it, not information we need. It's imagination. It's—it's a It's an ability to see ourselves differently. In the United States, it's probably an ability to see ourselves a little more collectively to say, like, like I was talking with a friend from Australia yesterday, a dear friend, and, and she's lived in the states for years. She's moving back, and she was okay. just saying, "Well, Australians just—they can just kind of put up with heart with, with with being inconvenienced and stuff for long periods of time," <laughs> and so. She's like, you know, her husband has moved back ahead of her to cuz his his dad passed away and he had to like settle affairs of the estate and stuff. But he's like he's hugging people. There's basically like no covid in Australia or like New Zealand. And it, it's not as though they're they are uh they have very similar conditions. I mean, they're a little less sparse, they're a little more sparsely populated, but 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 there's not there's no reason in the United States we couldn't get the same kind of results. It's just, but we just can't imagine it. And it's not for lack of information. It's not because, you know, because uh, every day you go you go on the news, it's COVID, 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 COVID. It's, it's imagination about r- telling a different story or experiencing uh, our social reality differently, which is just really hard to do. It really is. I mean, it's also, it's almost mind-blowing to try to
0: explain why because it's everything coming together. Um I mean how how we have all responded to this year and sort of made sense of it. Um you know it has to do with um the 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 structure of media and how we how we get information about the world and also, you know, whose imaginings we are listening to or not. Um, and I think it also has to do with kind of the structure of power. Then um, I'm, I'm venturing kind of out on a, a limb here. So give me some rope, but you know, there may be something about um, you know, the U S system and other presidential systems where, you know, if you've got a, a very strong populist leader, um, they, they, they can do a lot to um, scare other other leaders in the system to parrot their perspective because uh, I've got a kind of independent authority and 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 a population of people behind me that um, I can either make for you or against you uh, and you see that very plainly in you know what what uh, what uh, Trump is doing in the U S politics in parliamentary systems, you know, like in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, if, 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 if enough people just in the party don't like the approach the leader is taking, they just remove him as leader. He can't go and say like, Hey, you can't remove me. I, you know, I was elected into office. Like, no, you weren't, you know, we, we just had an internal party vote and we decided that you're no longer in charge. We're going to put somebody else in charge. So my point is, they have internally such a strong check on the leader that uh, the leader kind of always needs to be looking at kind of the the coalition uh, within the party, and and you 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 can never scare them as much as as the president can. So it kind of leads to, I think, in part, just just a bit more compromise in the conversation and i think you know in with something like this pandemic it's hard um in you know i think of like yeah british political system here to um to really deny the science um because you've got enough people who you know are also elected in your party who are getting all sorts of angry calls and and they want something done about it so that's a bit of a tangent, but I, but I think that you know th- there there's probably a lot about how um, you know how different countries have gone in response to this that can be explained by kind of how their how their how power you set up in their society. Just, no, I think ha-
1: that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that's totally right. And I, uh, the other thing that I, I think you have in kind of a Westminster parliament sort of system, which you have kind of in Canada or the UK, is someone like Donald Trump's not going to get elected because you have to be an MP, right, generally, um, to be prime minister, right? So you have to kind of work yourself through the party ranks. And there's a kind of vetting process that takes place, right? You, 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 you So you're not – so it's very difficult in that kind of system for a populace to come in completely outside the system and just t- and get to the highest office of the land, you have a kind of screening process, right? And then right, it's also, a tough dog, yeah, yeah. And then also, when when you were when the prime minister is picking the ministers for the government and who's going to be foreign minister and home secretary or you know defense minister, or stuff, all the stuff, there are he's uh, he or she also has to pick from people that have been vetted. Right, like who who also in the system, or in the United States, that's not true at all. I mean, you could, heck, I mean, you could pick the person that founded McDonald's or whatever as your secretary. I mean, if the Senate will confirm them, I mean, you know. It, so I yeah, I do think the power thing, mm. power and also, I mean, I think one of the things that's great about the United States is it's incredibly entrepreneurial and it's got this free spiritedness to experiment, which is great. I mean, w- you know, there are wonderful links to that. I think in a pandemic it's lethal because people are just so libertarian. Even even people that are on the left are pretty libertarian, and because it can't just be all Republicans that are causing all this, you know, like increase in the in these in these um, case numbers. It's our whole society. I mean, we we I talk with friends all this all the time candidly about what rules do you break, what exceptions do you make? I mean, look, we all because so much of the stuff is virtue signaling, right? so you want to be, if you're a liberal you want to be seen with your mask on right you want to be um and yet I know liberals that do things that are they're, they're sitting closer in an outdoor restaurant than six feet they're doing other things right but you but you want to put your mask on because your virtue signal everybody that you're not one of the ignoramuses that are causing the problem but I mean I think there's something about all of us that in the states that are that are contributing to this to this really lethal reality but but we just seem You know, it's just interesting. My experience in Basecamp today is you have a bunch of people asking good questions, listening, and I think when you do practices like that, you become a better storyteller. You become a better you. You you get you understand stories more, and you Mm -hmm. you tell stories better. And I think that's what we need here. We need in the midst of of twenty twenty and what it's revealed is we need better storytellers here that can tell a story that would allow our country around i mean the two big things that happened in 2020 i think in the united states it's the pandemic and then also the george um floyd um murder that you know by the police and all the racial unrest that mm. that came out as a result of it and both things have struck me as crying out for a better story for a story that could could unify us more that could mm. get us to take each other's well-being more more seriously and take public health more seriously and equity more seriously so i think we need better conversation and better storytelling and i i just think and, and as i say that what's everybody doing watching cable news <laughs> <laughs> which is anti-conversational and anti-storytelling or or an anti-redemptive storytelling i mean fox mm. news tells a good story it's just not a healthy healthy story
0: on well, speaking of healthy story, pizza is here, so I'm gonna have to peel off, peel off soon.
1: How is pizza in London?
0: It's diverse. I mean, I know it's not you know Americans. You you guys do pizza with, um, with total abandon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't imagine anybody in London ordering pizza.
0: Yeah, no, there's you know, we we've, we've got some of that stuff too, um, but you know this point about about storytelling and and I think you're right. Like sh- what 2020 has revealed to me is, um, you know, how important it is for us to recover, you know, some lost arts, um, listening, conversation, um, learning from one another, I I think that, you know, we have so quickly turned ourselves into, um, into audiences, um, you know, clustered around, uh, you know, fame or, you know, the promise of simplicity or clarity or, um, anger, um, and, and it's just kind of left us, um, really struggling to, to make meaning together, um, to, to appreciate the power of, of story. Um, I, so, so in, in my you know, small group conversation today at base camp, um, Someone talked about, well, it kind of emerged as sort of a theme that, and, and we were kind of in a group talking about, uh, you know, well, you were there nature and ecology. And, and, and it was interesting how many of the remarks were about how, you know, these kind of personal encounters with the importance of, of, of nature to our lives. Um, through this year, like the the need for parks and and to swim in the ocean and to, you know, rest our back against a tree or to feel the dirt between our toes, that there is something restorative in these um, very personal encounters with with nature, and it just made me think, like, wow, you know, so much of the wisdom that is possible to accumulate through twenty twenty is 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 kind of bottom up. Is is personal? Is in these like intimate encounters with reality, and yet so much of the sense making is top down, right? Whether 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 you Scott or me Chris agrees with it or not, our, our mode is top down. Okay, everybody, this is what it means. Or everybody, no, 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 no. This is what it means, and. And and I think all of our media and our power structures and, uh, and and all of it just makes it so hard for us to come at meaning any other way, in a bottom up way, in a kind of like, wow, I've had the same experience, Scott. I guess that's what's real, uh, un- unless we actively do something to recover it, because all of the forces seem to be to to simplify, top down, bigger and bigger audiences competing for. You know, how big of a parade can you get at the head of?
1: No, And I think this is the value and beauty of Basecamp is is it's a culture, it's a conversational culture, which would also it takes, it's funny because as I was reflecting on it today, you know, if you've never been a camper and if you're a listener, please become a camper. Like, please come oh, yeah. to Basecamp. You, you, you're it, necessary. It, Your voice yeah, is needed. We need you and you're going to love it. If you like this podcast, you're going to love it. But I, but I you know you do a really good job of framing in the beginning what the conversational culture is. And it's funny because most of the people that are there have these values, right? they're they're not they're not mm-hmm. they're not um adversarial with regard to the values and what you're but yet we still have to rehearse them because mm-hmm. it's so hard mm-hmm. to to have a conversation where you're doing more listening than talking. Mm-hmm you're collaborative not confrontational and I, I just i think that that's a beautiful thing and and i it's one of the things i appreciate about how you facilitate it is is you're disciplined about look we're going to go over the the way to structure right. the campfire Again. every time right <laughs> and i need to hear it and i i'm a guy that hosts a conversational podcast i'm a pretty good listener a pretty good question asker i need to hear it every single time and, and it's great. And I mean it was and and and, and then the beauty of the payoff is you, you get this group like our small group today, which people were really generous. Everybody was listening. Hmm. Like I don't think people were tuned out. Hmm. And it was just and it was beautiful. And we talked about hmm. fractals. So there you go.
0: Yeah, it was great. Um thank you, Scott, for for all of the conversations that you've made possible um this year. Um it's kept me sane. So I don't underestimate uh, the importance and and just impact you've had on my well being. (laughs) Oh (laughs) no, the feelings mutual. And just try to make sense of it together. So so no,
1: the feelings mutual, my friend.
0: Let's do it again soon.
1: All right, thank you so much.
0: All right, take care. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us.